This is Barkcast. You ain't nothing but a hound. On each episode of Barkcast, your questions will be answered by professional, senior trainer and owner of Canine Point Academy, Russell D. Russell. In today's episode of Barkcast, Barking Over the Pond, Russell speaks with longtime friend and colleague Andrew Horn from Citizen Canine, another training organisation based in Virginia in the US of A. Despite being thousands of miles apart, Russell and Andrew are both seeing similar trends in both dog ownership and behavioural problems. Over the last couple of years of the pandemic, dog ownership has been on the rise, but so too have issues and problems with those dogs. From separation anxiety to leash reactivity, Russell and Andrew discuss these ever-growing issues and look at ways to help owners mitigate some of those problems and set themselves up to succeed with their dogs. Andrew Horn from Citizen Canine. How are you, fella? I'm doing fantastic, Russell. Good to see you, buddy. It's it's been a while. I was actually while, I was actually yeah. thinking about this th- this morning. I was like, when was the last time we actually saw each other? I think it was when I was it 2012. 2012. Yeah. yeah. Summer, uh, I, I was there the summer of 2012, and you were one of the staff trainers. Yeah. I think yeah. Coming up 10 years. Where's yeah. the time gone, eh? <laughs> I know. I know. I was just talking to somebody today. They were like, "Oh, how long have you been doing this?" I'm like. Oh my yeah. God, it's 10 years. Yeah, it's right. 10 years this year, right? <laughs> like, so, but it's been good to me. It's been good to me. I can't lie. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. certainly been fun. So I just thought we would kick off. Obviously, the last couple of years has been a, let's just say a roller coaster for everyone in a whole number of different ways. Um, yeah. One of the, the big things I've seen here, and I'm sure you've seen it the same there, is a boom in dog ownership. So lockdown, we're stuck at home. Hey, I've got an idea. Let's go get a dog. Which on the face of it sounds great, right? That's, that's, a, sure. that's an easy one. But from our perspective, we can immediately say, oh, there's a host of potential issues and pitfalls that are coming up, which the average owner isn't going to necessarily see. So on the back of that, one of the big things I've been seeing lately is an increase in separation anxiety cases. So I just thought we could sort of kick off with that. Is that something you're sure. seeing over there? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean the the you know adoption rates went through the roof once everyone realized this this pandemic was here for the long run, um, and you know a lot and a lot of it was first time dog ownership or the yeah. person hasn't had hadn't had a dog since they were a kid, and um, you know so a, a lot of the times with our boarding train what we see is you know the majority of the bulk of the dogs come in at around six months, right? And so what I'm seeing now is, is now we're getting dogs that are old, like that are older, that are hitting that year mark, year and a half mark, where the people, you know, the, the owners, and, you know, they, you don't know what you don't know, right? But you yeah. know, they're, they're way to the point where they've already, you know, they, they've already started to go back to work, or you know, one of them's going back to work part-time and, and yep. you know, one of them's full-time, the kids are back in school, and now they're starting to see all these issues come with their dog and they're just like, you know, throwing their hands up. Well, I, you know, I don't know. And then a little bit of Googling will tell them, yeah, yeah. this is, this is what you're experiencing. And, and, you know, go, you should probably contact a professional. And so we're get some help. Yeah. We're already starting, you know, behind the, the power curve with, with the dogs, yeah. you know, already having a slew of issues versus before it was, you know, a lot of people were, were preemptively 
getting their dogs trained because either they knew someone who had their dog trained and you know a lot of, i'm sure yours is the same way it's a lot of referral business people were just uh, a lot of inquiries about you know why is my dog destroying the baseboards why are they howling the entire why are, why am i about to get kicked out of my apartment because my dog will not stop barking its head off for eight straight hours while i'm gone so the uptick in that has been huge over the past yeah i mean you're Year and a half, yeah. Are we, we're already in year two now. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I stopped tracking, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the, you know, it, it's, it's, it's definitely, there's definitely a big increase in it. And it's just something that we're, you know, we're, we're trying to tackle the best we can and trying to work towards getting people to understand the why behind it. And that's funny. I always know, tell clients the worst time to get a dog is at the start of the school holidays. Right. For the obvious reason that you're going to be there for a couple of weeks. Everything's amazing. And then your, your schedule, your routine is going to change abruptly. And that's going to wig the dog out. And as much as that is true, you're talking about a, sort of maybe a, a two week window, maybe a three week window in sort of generally or maybe a slightly long one for summer holidays and what have you. But it's a, mm-hmm. it's a short window. What we've had with COVID is people have gone out and got dogs, at, you know, whatever it's, you know, six, 12 months old that they were. It's been the better part of a year that these dogs have had these routines that are now starting to change quite abruptly like you say people are now going back to work or and it might just be a case you know one of the families going back to work or all the kids are going back to school but even it might seem an insignificant change to us but to the dog any sort of small change is a massive thing to them in their routine and that's the the big trigger absolutely yeah absolutely yeah it'd be great if you could you know explain it to them and have them understand you know but yeah unfortunately it just doesn't work that way and so People think, well, it's only if I'm going to be gone for well eight hours a day. You know, no, it doesn't matter. Like you go to the grocery store. If they're always used to having someone home, yeah, it's going to you all leave. Like it's a big, that that is a big big deal. The other side to that is also, I mean, like from for where you are, uh, do you have a do you have a definite split between owners that have breed specifics, i.e., I've got a border collie, I've got a hunting dog, or whatever, or versus you've got a lot of rescue dogs from the pound do you have a fairly even split or is it weighted one way or the other um it, uh, well i'll tell you what over the course of the last two years it used to be a 50 i would say it was a 50 50 split okay. but once the like i mean a lot of the shelters and the rescues got wiped out right you know like which was a great thing don't get me wrong like i'd much rather have a dog in a home yeah. than you know being stuck in the shelter but i am seeing more and more of the you know dogs coming from breeders and well wow. uh, you know a lot of the designer breeds yeah, yeah. are you know people are are buying left and right when they can find them i have people contacting me hey do you have any contacts do you yeah. have anybody, you know, anybody you can can you help me get a dog like you know but yeah no you i would say it used to be 50 50 but now it's it's definitely i would say at least probably 60 40 like breed, favorite like breeds yeah pure, purebred yeah. yeah and which is i mean yeah i mean it's fine with me i don't want to get into a whole conversation about breeders people get certain breeds yeah. for certain reasons but it doesn't matter what the breed is you know if you don't have that that structure and, and everything in place ahead of time you're in for a world of hurt the, the the chances of you going down this road are, are very real yeah very real but okay let's start with the, the easy or the the more obvious what what would you say is a classic either sign signal symptom of true separation anxiety because i think a lot of people can use that term and misconstrue it from a client mm-hmm. perspective. Oh, my, my dog whined. It must, it must, you know, be pining for me in the same way. Oh, my dog barked. It must be aggressive. Right. So they don't actually sort of often understand what it genuinely means. 
So when someone comes to you and you've probably seen this with your clients, I know I have with mine. So, oh, my dog's got separation anxiety. I'm like, no, your dog's fine. <laughs> so, or Sorry. vice versa, right? So, yeah. So how does that sort of portray to you? So what I, what, what I tell people to look for, um, if, you know, if, and this is a conversation I have, like if the dog goes through the boarding train and I come home. So like, and for the last two years, it's been the bulk of um, the work I've done has been the boarding train. Um, I kind of stopped doing private lessons for a while, but I picked those back up over the last few months. But, you know, what I tell people to look for, if it's not something that's blatantly obvious to me, um, you know, the, what, I, what we call saying, you know, the, the dog becomes the Velcro dog, right? You can't get up and go to the bathroom. You can't get up and go to the kitchen without the dog having to be, you're tripping over the dog, but yeah. it has to be by your side, and, you know, um, scratching at the door if you're, you know, in, in trying to go to the bathroom or in your bedroom or whatever the case is. Um, then, you know, there's the classic ones, the, you know, destruction, um, past puppyhood, right? Yes. You know, yeah. Puppies chew, we know that, but big, you know, scratch marks on doors and, and, you know, things like that and the howling, barking, whining, crying when you're gone. Now, some of it is just people didn't do crate training correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one thing that we look at and say, okay, let's, let's try to tackle this route and see, you know, if we can solve that, then okay, then we're we're fine. But um, but yeah, if if you have a very clingy dog, mm-hmm. um, is 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 a sign. Not necessarily that they're they're they've gone off the deep end of towards that route, but you're heading there, right? Yes. That's one of the 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 clues that we that I kind of look for and, and warn people about. We haven't gone down that route. Like this is something you need to pay attention to. Yeah. And if you know, and if you're if if you start to see that, then we need to talk about coming up with a plan to, to counter that. But those are the big ones that, that we look for is really that neediness and mm-hmm. the need to always be on the owner yeah. or, or, you know, a, a person, whoever, whoever it is. Yeah. yeah. And on yeah. that, I mean, like you said a second ago, we're from, from our perspective, we're kind of, we're behind the eight ball on this because by the time the dog comes to us, the, the damage has been done for want of a better term. The dog has spent the last year being that shadow um, and now the owner's sort of routines and structures are changing quite significantly. And now they're starting to see all of these sort of different things, right? So yeah, all of a sudden my dog is, it's barking and howling when I go out, my neighbors are complaining. So, or, or yes, like you said, there's, you know, they're, they're destroying the stuff. And there's, there's two things to that. One is most of the time with, when it comes to the dog has done something wrong, i.e. the owner's got a phone call or your dog's howling. Or they've come home and there's, you know, they've chewed the door or sofa or something. Mm-hmm. And now the dog's getting punished after the fact, invariably. So everything's just being sort of reinforced into the dog. So that begs the question, what are the what would be the immediate steps from our point of view um, in terms of saying, right, to an owner, these are the sort of immediate things I want you to start working with in order to get your dog to be a little bit calmer when you aren't in the room and you aren't in the house, when you are quote unquote on your own. Yeah. So what I, I mean, the, the first thing I do is when I sit down with people is okay, lay out what, what is this dog's routine? What are the people's routine? You know, who's, who's going to work at what time, who's coming home at what time, you know, who's here throughout the day. Um, and I try to, I try to look for, for areas where I can say, okay, is this, is, is this really separation anxiety or is this, you know, lack of exercise where the energy is just yeah. overflowing and the dog is like, I got to get this I'm stuff bored. out and <laughs> I'm bored. Somebody please come save me and take me for a walk. Um, and if, you know, I've had, I, you know, a lot of, I don't say a lot of time, but 
you know, there's, there's a lot, there's times where that is the case, right? Absolutely. Where, or, or they got that specific breed that they love the look of the field spaniel, the working line yeah. lab or whatever that I'm like, this is not the right the setup for you. hundred percent. Right? Um, and so that's where, you know, you, you see a lot of that stuff. Like, oh, we got a beagle. Well, beagles hound, <laughs> how, right? That's what they do. Um, so, you know, but yeah, so we, we, I try to dissect that and, and see what's going on in their routine, where we can tweak some things. How are they going about, you know, so in the event in the world, and yes, the dog is getting a great walk before the family's leaving. Um, you know, okay, what is it looking like when they're leaving, right? Are they making a big fuss? Yep. You know, oh, it's okay. Hey, we're all leaving. Yep. Be good. Don't bark. Ah, right. And then don't worry about it. We'll shuts. be back soon. <laughs> the door, and then the door shuts, and the dog is like, "What am I supposed to do right now?" Right. Yeah. Um. So we talk about that. You know, get you know, getting the the crate training done correctly, and then the whole process of getting ready to leave the house before we actually leave. You know, putting the dog in their crate, giving them something to do, um, to kind of redirect their attention, finish getting your stuff together. Right. Once the dog goes in the crate, that's it. That's the last time we're going to talk to that dog. Um, finish getting your coffee, you know, put your jacket, throwing off kind of like the routine, putting your jacket on, grabbing your keys, and then sitting back down and finishing your breakfast, right? Kind of throwing the dog off a little bit. So then they, you know, so eventually they'll get distracted and focus on whatever it is that we've given them, right? And then we kind of just sneak out. So we don't get the dog all worked up. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the other part, going back to the exercises. Don't say, okay, I'm running late for work. So now I just got to run you outside. We're going to run around the block real quick. And then I'm going to come back in, not give you a chance to settle or anything and just throw you in the crate. And off I go. Yeah. Right. That's, that's just a recipe for, for disaster. And, and I mean, I understand life gets in the way and not everybody is a professional and, and, you know, things like that. But when we're trying to solve problems, you know, I, I tell my clients, like, we have to, we have to make the time for it. Right? We have to make sure that we're, we're putting in the work on our end so that we're, 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 creating the most perfect environment we can for that dog so we can get through the issues that we're trying to work on. No, absolutely. So, and that can also sort of be um, one of the things I end up saying to my clients a lot of the time is if you only ever work your dog when you need it, this is never going to work. All right. You've got to practice it. The analogy, I, I find myself, and you probably do this as well, using lots of analogies to try and humanize this for people. And for me over here, living in Thailand, language is a really easy go-to thing because not everyone speaks, not every Westerner here speaks fluent Thai. Everyone sort of tries and makes an effort, but it's most of, most of them will say, oh, it's really hard to learn. There's so many tones and all of this. So whenever people come into me and say, I've had this dog two weeks and it's, you know, why isn't it trained yet? I'm like, well, how good is your Thai, right? Are you fluent in another language yet? And if you want to become fluent in another language, how do you do that? You go to lessons, you do your homework, you practice, 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 practice. If you don't, nothing's going to stick. And it's the same with, for me, any sort of sort of training routine, any sort of learning pattern like this, trying to, you've got the, the process in place. But if you only practice that process, as soon as I finish my cornflakes and I'm out the door, you're actually not making any sort of difference. You've got to do this over and over and over and over and over again. I'm not going out, do the routine and then let the dog out yeah. or whatever it is, right? It's just getting that yeah. sort of that rep count in so it just becomes a normal part of routine for the dog yeah and that that, that reminds me of something i don't remember and this goes back to triple crown days i don't remember who said it, it was jesse or rob but you know it's one of those things that, that always stuck with me as they said you know the, the dog's not going to lie to you and so you know and that's why you know I, I i tell people 
you know, when they, we, we go, go home with the, they, they do the, we do the go home lesson with the board and train and we have a follow-up lesson, you know, and I'll warn them. Same thing with private lessons. I'm going to know if you've been doing the work or not, right? hundred percent. Yeah. They're going to rat you out because I'm going to see it. And so it's, it's one of those things, you know, we tried everything. I'm like, did yeah. you though? Did right? you? <laughs> you know, did you, you know, did you try it consistently? And, and, you know, and I, again, it goes back to setting it up. So, so it, it's, it's feasible for people. And then also just being as from the trainer's aspect of it is being a hundred percent honest and with, with what the expectations are and saying, yes. you know, if you do X, Y, and Z, this is where I think we can get to, right. If, if you skip out, you're not going to get as far. Like people always ask the same thing. Well, can I get the, the same results from private lessons as I can with the board to train? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. But just understand it's you putting in those hours and hours and hours of work versus me doing it and then just teaching you how to continue it on. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, that part is, is huge is, is making sure that people are following through and putting the daily training sessions in so that we get past these type of And you can enjoy your dog for the rest of your yeah. life, right? Do the hard, heavy work now. And then it makes it easy down the life road. Is, life is easy peasy, right? Going forward. It, it does bait my noodle a wee bit with some people when they just, I find with, and this is always, it always gets me with parents especially parents with sort of younger kids, like, you know, the kids maybe sort of you know, between six to eight years old. So that they've had the child long enough and you kind of think, but they, they're coming to me with a puppy and they have these expectations that, so in two weeks, this dog should be ready, right? The dog's gonna do everything I want it to do. I'm like, is your child a lawyer or an astrophysicist yet? <laughs> no, of course not. She's only eight. What is your, is your child stupid? <laughs> and like how dare you say that I'm like well those are the expectations that you're matching on the dog it's like the dog needs time to learn this stuff yeah so you've got to give it the time to to grow and to learn and to and at the same time like you've already mentioned be consistent with the patterns that you put in place just kind of going back a stage we're sort of talking about the the fun we've been having with sort of dogs through the pandemic and and yeah i i would agree with you i think separation anxiety is one of the, the big trigger points or one of the bigger issues i should say with with dog ownership. The other thing I find, I have two sort of competing issues. One is uh, leash reactivity. Um, and again, getting people to understand what that actually is and the difference between a dog that just pulls and one that's being reactive. And also dogs that just can't walk on a leash. Do you see a, a lot of that as well? Yes. Yeah. So yes to both. Um, a lot of times they go hand in hand. My, my big hang up is, is the so leash reactivity, right, is, is it, it, you know, it's caused by a gazillion different things. Um, people often confuse it with aggression. My dog is aggressive because every time we see another dog or we see the UPS truck or whatever it is, he's jumping and he's lunging or right, for, up for with, with other dogs. And, you know, having to, you know, one, explain to them what that really is, right? You know, not all dogs, you know, if they're jumping and lunging at, at another dog while they're on a leash is because they want to go murder that other dog. Yeah. Most of the time, it's just all that excitement built up and, you know, exploding. But, they're, you know, working through that is often, a, a, once I explain it to people and they have the relief of knowing, okay, thank God, my dog is not aggressive and wants yeah. to kill all the little children riding skateboards. <laughs> okay. Right. Then, you know, we can kind of start working through it, but yeah, it's, it's just kind of getting them to understand, you know, the dogs have that same fight or flight response that people do. My theory on it, um, 
I've, I've told this to a few people. Some people, you know, professionals agree with me, some didn't. You know, the, the way that usually kind of progresses is, you know, that, that initial excitement, you know, whether the dog was, you know, a puppy or, or whatever, um, it would see the other dogs and want to go play, 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 play. But, you know, the owner's saying, no, we're not going to yeah. do that. I don't know that other dog or whatever the case is, which is the smart thing, right? I'm not a fan of on-leash greetings at all. But, you know, that, that excitement eventually turns to frustration, right? Yes. And that frustration is what explodes, you know, into the dog looking like it's aggressive and stuff like that. So once you, but, you know, it, it all comes back down to having that structure and that, that relationship with your dog to, to where they trust you to say, okay, look, I have this under control. I don't need you to, you know, whether you are trying to protect everyone that likes to think it's my dog's trying to protect me. Yeah, I was just going to go to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, your dog does not. Yeah, chances <laughs> are your dog is not trying to protect you against the you know the the, yeah. the golden doodle across the <laughs> across the street. But um, you know, just getting to understand that you know it, it's something that I mean, the, and they the owner may not have created it, right? This could be you know a lot of times in the shelter dogs, right? And what do they do in the shelter, right? They're behind a cage and they see dogs walking by all the time and they're jumping and hitting the fence, and so it just kind of translates to when it's on the leash because it's still a barrier, it's still. Yeah. Something is holding them back, but once you kind of explain it to them, like, look, your your dog is either you know just overexcited, overstimulated, and they have this leash attached, right? And so they they know that if they wanted to run away, that that's not an option. So therefore, it, you know, a lot of times they they want to either if it's something that they feel threatened by, they want to make themselves big and scary so they can create that distance between them and that threat, whatever it is. But once we get the, the routine down, and once we get the, the the obedience, the basic stuff down, like a, a solid heel and a solid sit stay then we can start working through those, yeah. those types of interactions when the, you know, the other dog is coming towards us and saying, okay, no, you're going to just sit and wait and let me handle it and let them, let them go by. But, and that's, and that's one thing, like, I think, you know, once they, un, once the owner understands that, like you can almost like physically see the relief drain yeah. away from them. Like, thank gosh, like I didn't, I didn't know what I got myself into, yeah. you know, cause usually by the time they call, they call us, it's, it's, you know, I, I would send if something doesn't change, then this dog is gone, right? Or, you know, or, or the, you know, one of the, I had just a call today where the husband wants the dog gone. The dog has a bite history already. And the wife is like, absolutely not. And it's like, okay, this, now I got to go play marriage counselor and dog trainer. But, you know, but yeah, what, you know, the, the least reactivity, you know, versus true aggression is something I see all the time. And, you know, it's, it's nice when it turns out to just be least, least reactivity because yeah. that's, solvable yeah right? unlike its well, counterpart yeah but and i'd always i would probably argue as well the bulk of the time it is just that reactivity that learned process as opposed to being a genuine aggression case mm -hmm. and i usually find from from our perspective you'll see that when the dog walks in the door you'll be like yeah okay i, I know what this is okay yeah every now and again you know you actually start working with the dog and think, oh, I got that wrong. But usually when it comes to a dog that's genuinely react, gen genuinely aggressive, you'll ping that kind of straight off the bat. Um, you mentioned sure. a second ago sure. about leash greetings and preferably not having on leash greetings. Uh, and I'm kind of in that camp. And I, I, there is a caveat to that. But and I want to come back to that particular point. But the first sure. part is in terms of dealing with those leash reactive dogs, and we'll go with the fact that it's just reactive. It's just a learned process. This is not an aggressive dog and the steps that we put in place for owners. And like you say, having that basic obedience in play is one thing. And it's, it's the fundamental part. It's the groundwork. You have to have it. If I can get my dog to sit, 
a the dog's not giving off any signals to the other dog so mm -hmm. a lot of the time that can be self-reinforcing enough to calm the situation down the one big kicker we have here and i wonder if this is perhaps different to where you are is a lot of the time here when people are out with their dogs a lot of the other dogs and we get a lot of street dogs here as well which is another um, element to add but even owners with their dogs they're off leash so as much as i've got my dog here in a perfect sit stay the other dog the distraction is ever getting closer and closer and closer and closer which negates our ability to maintain that distance and work with yeah. our dog at a solid point and that can often yeah. be the, the trigger item yeah that that and that would be that's a big difference between here and there here in northern virginia there are leash very strict leash laws everywhere yeah. right yeah. and they don't they, they really don't mess around i like where i'm at i'm, I'm kind of closer to the country um, so it's not as bad. Like I could get away with going to like a state park and walking around sure. with my dog off leash. And, and yeah, cause I know she's, she's going to, she had one, she doesn't care about all the other dogs anymore, yeah. but yeah, you know, situations like that, where the one thing that, that irks me or the one thing that the reason why I harp on people is, is don't do on leash screenings because most people have their dogs on leashes because you, you don't know the other dog. Right. Yeah. And you don't, you know, and John Q public doesn't really understand their, what kind of signs and stuff their dog is giving off you know the person with the dog at the end of the flexi lead saying no it's okay they're friendly they're friendly right? yeah <laughs> but they're also charging at my dog right? yes you know which yeah, yeah. my dog doesn't know your dog it's like you know so i i try to suggest trying to get to avoid it um because i i, I just don't we don't need that blow up like there's yeah. there's plenty of you know dog parks which again i'm like i'm not a huge huge fan of them or dog daycares that people use all the time, you know, where you can have those interactions and that socialization, or, or if it's, you know, a family friend, someone you know whose dog that is and they play together, that's that's the socialization stuff you want. But the the randomness of all the dogs that are out around yeah. town, you know, it, the odds of your dog having a negative experience, but you know, especially if, if they're trying to work through issues, Yes. already themselves like yes. then it just kind of compounds that that problem and it also you know well, once one one big setback with the dog that's already trigger happy to, to to get set off on another dog like then you just set yourself back a few weeks yeah. right like because the dog learns oh like, i was okay. right to do this yeah. yeah yeah or or it worked right i i went after this dog and it yelped and went running away like correct ah, this, yeah. this is how i do it this right? is how i do yeah. it from now on yeah you just shot yourself in the foot so um, that's why I kind of harp on it. But yeah, I mean, I could imagine if we had like a ton of stray dogs around, like that would make well, training a nightmare. To, to be honest, I, the, the stray dog, like genuine street dogs, uh, and this come, this for me comes back to the whole social versus friendly concept because they're, they're actually, they're separate constructs. And a lot of the street dogs here tend to be very social, i.e. they can read dog body language and dog signals and they're savvy to it. They're not friendly. They don't want to play and engage, but they'll, they might come charging out, but they tend to keep their distance. They'll, they'll stay a few, you know, four or five feet away. And again, if I've got some functional control with my dog, just give me a sit. At least they've given us that window of opportunity, that distance for us to do our bit, which is a, just be calm and sit and chill out. And a lot mm. of the time that can, you can work through that. The, the hard slash impossible bit to deal with is John Q friendly's golden doodle. Oh, it's okay. He's friendly. Which yeah. is code for I can't control my dog. <laughs> just comes bounding all over us. That that's the harder bit to deal with. And you're right because even like at a, at a 
uh, maybe not a dog park, but even if you're out for a walk and someone's got a dog on a leash, I'm with you on the leash, but I don't like dogs meeting on leash because usually both owners are like, A, I don't know what's going to happen here. And B, Mm -hmm. we're holding the leash really tight, inching the dogs closer and closer, and they're pulling and streaming into Mm -hmm. each other and just bang, right? Face to face. Yeah. Yeah. So whereas at the same time, I don't want to do an off-leash greeting because you've not got control of your dog either way. For me, I always say to people, number one, if if you want to meet another dog, you want to be in a position where your dog and their dog, that you're kind of ignoring each other. So as long as their dog's looking at them and my dog's looking at me and like, oh, hey, there's a dog over there, but I really don't care. Then I'm, I'm happier for the dogs to meet because they can be nice and loose on the leash because they're sort of milling around anyway. And that's the better way because then we can engage from a, a less toxic, less driven kind of routine. And we're meeting on a, a calmer sort of level. And ultimately, it's our choice as an owner, not the dog's choice. Yeah, yeah, and that's why like, I, I always recommend like if, if you know whether whether the family's bringing a, a, a second dog in or it's a relative's dog that they're gonna be around you know for the holidays or whatever you know get yourself to like neutral ground to where no one owns anything. Um, I've offered you know come come to my house right. I have a whole dog side that you know that neither one of them has possession of that you know just to to, to test things out. But yeah, I think it's 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 huge to to do it in a controlled manner. There's very few things that infuriate me more than those, you know, my dog is friendly owners yeah. <laughs> come char- charging up to us. It's almost as bad as, as just, you know, you're out trying to work a dog in public and everyone wants to come up and say hello and, you know, thinks they can just stick there. I don't know how it is in Thailand, but, you know, here in the States, you know, your dog is our dog. And so yes. I, can, yeah. I can reach out and pet your dog. It's Especially with because, young puppies. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the, the so, only way to the only way to stop that is to have a pit bull. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? Like, true. This is this is God's honest true story. You know, like the uh, Catahoula Leopard Hound, right? Yeah. Not always the friendliest looking dog, right? They have like some creepy eyes. Yeah, this one I had, like, yeah, Very really intense. intense. Dog had a bite history, right? So I'm walking it around the town center with a muzzle on and a big vest that said "Do not pet" in training. I had probably at least three or four people sticking their hands out trying to pet this dog and i'm just like i don't i don't know what else i can do for you people right like part of me just wants to take the muzzle off and you know have this as a, as a learning as a learning moment right but yeah. uh joking America yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and thailand joking yeah but um but yeah you know it's, it's one of those things you know I, I i tell my clients the same thing like look you have to be the advocate for your dog so if you're if you if that means you got to be the jerk Right. Hurt yeah. someone's feelings. Yeah. yeah, hundred percent. Right. Hurt away. Right. You know, because you always have to deal with the repercussions of whatever happens with, with your dog. My and dog. I'm not just talking about bites. I'm talking about just, you know, the, your dog jumping up to greet somebody or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, like if anytime they get to practice it, that's a win for them. Right. And so, you know, that's why I, I always, you know, err on the side of caution when it comes to dog, dog greetings or same thing. If, if someone goes to the dog park, I say, look, you know, that's fine. If you're comfortable in there, that's fine. You know, but I, I kind of explain like dog, a lot of times like the wild west, you don't know. It's always a different group of dogs. Right. And you don't know the personalities and too many people bring dogs that have no business being in the dog park to the dog park. So I say, you know, look, if you get in there and in the first, even in the first five minutes, if you don't get, a, if you have a bad feeling about another dog or another owner, leave. It's not, it's not worth your dog having that negative experience or, or you know, something just, you know, because you thought, all right, well, we'll just see what happens. Like, that. yeah. I'm out of there. A, always be in control of the dynamic. The same way you would, again, this goes back to having kids, right? If you've got kids, 
if you weren't, you know, if you thought, you know, one other kid was bullying yours, you'd step in. You might take your kid out of that situation or you would, you would create a barrier. But when it comes to dogs, we kind of think, oh, we'll just let it play out and kind of see what happens. But, and you make the point, we're the ones as owners that are going to deal with the repercussions of that later on down the line. And oh, in therapy, sure. it's just, it's, it doesn't get better on its own. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what we call time. Like most of those negative nuisance, negative behaviors, we call them, you know, they, they don't fix themselves. Right. Yeah. They don't just magically disappear over time. Um, and so the, you know, the sooner we can nip it or, or, or you know, prevention obviously is always the best medicine, sure. um, then the better off you're going to be. And, and, the less money you got to spend on yeah yeah the right. in, uh, intervention right to, to to solve it so i can't yeah i always tell, tell my people just just don't do it like it's yeah. just you know it's not worth it yeah that one greeting with the dog like your dog's not going to remember that that exactly. dog that it met six weeks ago they don't care right? yeah exactly so, and as soon as the dog's out of sight they're gonna be like oh okay whatever, yeah, we're back <laughs> like, whatever we were doing yeah 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 so you're not missing out on much what would be your sort of top tips, and, and again, we're we're talking about this from a trainer's perspective. So mm-hmm. let's assume we're we're always going to be behind the eight ball with our clients because they've already a gone out and it's very rare. Uh, and again, I don't know about you, but for me, it's incredibly rare that I get a client come to me before they've got the dog. And I love these people; I really, really do. <laughs> they are so few and far between, but they're the ones that, even if they don't get it and they don't understand, at least said. They, they're admitting that by coming to us in the first place but again most of the time we're behind the eight ball so by the time the clients come to us it's because we've got the dog we've got a problem help us fix it so with that in mind and also considering you know the main sort of key issues that we've already sort of highlighted what sort of top tips have you kind of got for people that are sort of listening to this and they're like yeah yeah my, my dog's you know reactive or my dog's you know got separation anxiety what would be your immediate sort of top tips things that people can try and do or need to bear in mind and remember as they move forward with their dog. So I mean, one of the, the I mean, one of the first thing is is when you're when they're looking back and they're trying to to assess like what's going on in their situation, like be honest about it, right? You know, like okay, what have we been doing? Not trying to, you know, don't make excuses for the dog, right? You know, even if you know, yes, the dog is, you know, is usually a product of of from what we've done. But in order to kind of move forward, we really have to identify, okay, where, where are our shortfalls? What are we not doing that this dog needs? And the other thing is understanding what your dog really needs, like based on, you know, if it's, if it is a purebred, for example, I got a uh, English setter in just the other day, you know, these people got the dog, it's a beautiful dog. They're hunting dogs, right? They're designed to go out and retrieve and and bring things back. And um, these people live in a, in a, little house in Washington, DC, right. Where guess what it's not doing. It's yeah. they're not, they're not hunters. Right. Yeah. Um, and so they, you know, they, they went through, um, you know, I don't want to go down this road, but they went, they went to a, a one of those force free type trainers because the dog was having a bunch of issues. Um, stuff that you would expect, right. Like, you know, it's, it's overreacting. It's, you know, it's, it's got all this pent up energy. It's getting itself into yeah. trouble. It's bold. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's <laughs> out of its mind. So you know, we talked about it and, and saying, okay, look, this is what we need to do. We need to put this structure in place, right? We need to ensure that everyone is being re- that consistency is is huge. If you have multiple people in the house, um, especially kids, right, making yeah. sure that everyone is on board, that they understand. If you know, if if you've hired a trainer or you're or, or you've done your research, or whatever, just making sure that everyone is on the same page because that that inconsistency will crush you. Yeah. Right. If if one person is sneaking the dog into the bed at night, 
<laughs> right? But not telling anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, you're sending all the wrong signals to the dog. So um, really, you know, paying attention to what's going on in everyday life, monitoring, you know, how much exercise it's getting. Um, you know, are we meeting those physical needs, those mental needs of the dog? And and really, you know, taking a step back and realize, okay, what was this really a good choice? Yeah. Right. Are do we really have the time that we thought we did for the dog? Um, I mean, admitting when you don't know what you're doing is probably the, the biggest thing, right? If you yeah. if you feel like you've been defeated, ask for help, right? You know, you call someone like me. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to. Just you know. They, they probably had no intention of signing up for anything, but I'm, I'm willing to talk to you for 10, 15 minutes and say, hey, this is where I would start, right? Yeah. And this is what I would do. And, you know, some, some of them come back and that's fine. But um, the last thing I want is someone to get the dog and say, okay, you know what, forget it. We're, gonna, we're just going to send it back to yeah. the shelter or the rescue and, okay. um, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, really just, you know, asking for help when you need it because there's, there's so much more to dog training than people think when they get a dog. Right. right? They, they, <laughs> And, you know, and you're actually here all the time. Like I had no idea that this is going to be this much work. Well, yeah. to do it right. Yeah. Do it right. You know, yes. There's, there's shortcuts. There's shortcuts left and right. But, you know, you're not going to have that happy family member by taking a bunch of shortcuts left and right. So it is it is a commitment. It is, you know, there, there is time involved and sacrifices you have to make. And so just understand that and, yeah. and find someone that can help guide you through that process mate i think you've you've hit the nail on the head with that it's a understanding that yeah we need the help getting the getting the help putting the structure in place being consistent dear god the amount of times i'm i'm a broken record with consistency yeah. like yeah. forget it and i think you mentioned about a, a, a i think it was a i think your quote from triple crown was rob that was sounded like the sort of thing that he would say and i remember one of the other things he'd said to me was say to clients you can forget everything i've just said you can forget everything, but remember consistency. Yeah. Remember that one word, because if you can't do that bit, the game is over. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. I mean, and I use the, like, I use the kid analogy all the time. I tell, I tell my clients, you know, the, the ones that have kids, you know, that, that really get it is, you know, I say like, I, I am 10 times the father because I'm a dog trainer, because the two are so yeah. eerily similar, right? You know, you have to have a united front. And, you know, if, if the kid throws a tantrum, like you cannot give in, right. Cause yeah. the next time you try to put your foot down, it's just going to get louder and go longer <laughs> and, you know, and, and whatever. And so when explaining to clients is being able to relate those things to the real world, right. Yes. Is oh, absolutely. You know, not, you know, I, I, I don't use a bunch of technical terms and well, the four quadrants and let's explain, you know, yeah, yeah. like no, no one cares. No one, no one cares. Yeah. Right. And like, you know, it, how do I fix this? Okay. Let's, let's talk about it in the real world. So yes, I, I do live by analogies. Analogies and movie quotes is what I pretty yeah. much yeah. run my entire business. Yeah. Through. yeah. So, um, but yeah. And, and the, you know, the other thing is like, don't, don't be ashamed. Like just cause your dog embarrassed you. Right. Or, you know, like it's, it's not too late. Right. Yeah. We can still, we can still always make it better. And don't, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Trust us. We've seen 10 times worse. Yeah. Right? Nine, nine times yeah. out of 10. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, 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 I ask me all the time. Have you, have you ever seen something this bad before? I'm like, oh, let me tell you a story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> right? Yeah. And this is where I got that scar from. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right right. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. It's been great to catch you. Yeah. So, yeah, man. It's good to see you. Yeah, you too, mate. You too. So, and we should definitely do this again. 
maybe sort of a, a regular segment with, with with from across the pond. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Across the pond. I like it. Yes. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, it's been great catching up, buddy. Thank you again for doing this, and I will catch up with you really soon. Sounds great. Well, take care. If you're looking for professional training or somewhere to board your dog, either short or long term, then check out Canine Point Academy. That's caninepointacademy.com or go to Facebook and search Canine Point Academy. BarkCast was created and produced by Shark 13 Productions. If you are looking to start a podcast or would like to learn more about how a podcast can work alongside your current marketing plans, then contact us now at j at shark13productions.com.